0: You are listening to the She Leads Me podcast episode number 43 with Shannon Huffman-Polson, author of The Grit Factor and founder of The Grit Institute. You're listening to the She Leads Me podcast, where women come together for powerful conversations around life and leadership. Each episode will bring you conversations with incredible female business owners and leaders, tools for you on your personal and professional journey, and needed conversation and education to equip you with the tools to forge your path in today's world. I am your host, Heather Simpson. My mission is to educate and empower women who are seeking a different type of conversation, taking them to the next level in their journey and career. Welcome to She Hey everyone, thanks for being here. It's Heather Simpson. I wanted to start off this podcast by saying that I appreciate you. I am really thankful for those of you that have stuck with us as we took our time off for a little bit with the podcast. And I'm appreciative of the new listeners that have joined us since we've done our podcast reboot. It has been really incredible to watch uh, just the listener base grow since our reboot, even just the last couple of weeks. It's been really awesome for me to dive into the stats of where you are listening from, how long you're listening to each episode. It just gives me so many insights as we plan future episodes for you. So thanks for being here. We really appreciate you. If we didn't have any listeners, I don't know how long the podcast would last for. So we appreciate that you are here, that you're taking time out of your day and listening to the incredible guests that we have on the show for you. So before I go to today's guests, I wanted to let you all know of an exciting project that we have been working on. In the last few months, right, 2020, let me, I can't even get the numbers out without stuttering. (laughs) 2020 has been a heavy year for a lot of people. There's been a lot going on, a lot of change, a lot of awareness of different things we've had more attention for. There has been, I believe, I truly believe, still a lot of clarity coming from this year. When we were doing business planning last October in San Diego with our Retreat attendees, we spoke about how 2020 was going to be the year of clarity and vision. I fully still believe that. There is no change in that message from me. I believe that what the pandemic has given us is a pause to actually truly see some of the atrocities that are in our world, like racial injustice. And it has been years and years of protests of people trying to have a voice and make a stand. And I don't believe that the pandemic happened on accident at the same time that the incredible injustice that George Floyd experienced happened. I believe that the universe is making a divine intervention to say, hey, listen up. If I need to quiet the rest of the world down, I am going to so that you can listen and see what is actually happening out there. And I know for myself, I have been asleep to a lot of things. I have been unaware and naive to a lot of things and embarrassingly enough, too busy to really take note because the next thing has just come up to kind of take my attention away. I have been aware of some things in the past, but... The next thing comes up and it's the the next movement, the next something that needs my attention. And I haven't paused long enough to lean in and learn more about what has happened in our history with inequality. And so now I am choosing to lean in. Now, I am choosing to educate myself and really lean in to understanding the things that I don't know, to understand the privilege that I have as a white woman. And if you know me, you know that I don't like to sit in inaction. Being inactive about something and not taking a stand and taking action is just not who I am. So once I become fully aware of something, I like to dive in. So instead of just making a few posts here and there about racial equality, about racial justice, about equity and unity, we have chosen to take our stance even further. And so therefore we are launching on Wednesday on Wednesday July 29th a limited edition t-shirt. We have two different designs that have been created. We have partnered with local businesses here to design them and print them and then ship them to you. And 100% of the proceeds that we are raising are going towards the National Diversity Council and join Campaign Zero. I hope that you will join us. I hope that you will join us in taking the stand against racism and purchase one of these t-shirts. We are really excited about it. July 29th, the t-shirts go on sale and those funds go towards those two organizations and we're really thrilled about that. So we hope that you check it out. Now, on to today's guest the amazing Shannon Huffman Polson. She and I had a really incredible conversation. She has a new book that is coming out later this year. It's called The Grit Factor. I was able to get my hands on an early copy from her publisher, and I've been so thankful to be able to dive into it and really hear Shannon's story. It's such an incredible story. Here's more about her. She served as one of the first women to fly the Apache helicopter in the U.S. Army. Her career as an Army officer and attack aviation leader around the globe spans almost a decade. In addition to her military service, she spent five years leading and managing in the corporate sector. And as a dynamic in-demand speaker, Polson reaches thousands of people a year at major organizations and large public venues on topics related to leadership, courage, resilience, and grit. And you know that that is what we are all about. So we are really excited for today's conversation. I would love to hear your feedback. You will absolutely love meeting Shannon. So here is our interview. Hello, Shannon. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you. How about you? Doing really well. Thank you so much for being part of the She Leads Me podcast. I'm thrilled and excited to introduce our listeners to you and just share all of the awesome things that I've started to learn about you as I'm diving into your book here. Um, But I would love for you to introduce yourself to our audience
1: and tell us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Yeah, great. And I'm so excited that you're starting out on The Grit Factor. You're one of the early readers, as you know, since it comes out September 8th from Harvard Business Review Press. But I am the author of The Grit Factor. I'm the founder of The Grit Institute, which has associated training uh, that relates very much to the work of The Grit Factor. And before that, I was uh, one of the first women to fly the Apache helicopters in the United States Army. So that was really the basis for what developed into this, and I transitioned to an MBA at the Tuck School at Dartmouth, and then had the opportunity to lead really outstanding teams in the corporate world as well at both Guidant Corporation and Microsoft. And now I've come back to this love of storytelling. My very first book is North of Hope. It's a memoir that's also pretty gritty, but very different uh, than the Grit Factor that we're about to talk about today. But grit has always been a big part of my life and a big part of what I believe to be uh, a, a critical element of success. And so it's been a huge honor to have a chance to interview dozens of other women leaders in the vanguard of their military fields as a basis for what became the Grit Factor and, uh, and to bring that to young leaders and and old leaders all around the world. Yes.
0: Oh my gosh. So amazing. So take us back to life before the military. Take us a little bit on the journey of what even led you to join the army and have the experiences that you did that, that then will lead into talking more about the book.
1: Sure. Uh, I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska, and um, and I know you know Alaska well, Heather, as well. But uh, we like to say that in Alaska, it's where men are men and where women win the Iditarod. And if I <laughs> know about the Iditarod, it's a thousand-mile dog sled race. It's a pretty grueling and brutal race, uh, but definitely an environment where I think there was um, equal opportunity to be. Uh, to be tough and to be accountable because there really isn't any room for people not to be accountable, both for their own safety and the safety of others and and just survival in that kind of a climate. So uh, I think that was a great way to grow up with that kind of sense of of grit and of possibility. I was also very blessed to have uh, parents who supported me and who told me that I both could and would do everything that I had the potential to do. <laughs> and, um, and I think that's a big part of it too. I have a funny soccer story, but We don't have to necessarily get into that. But I ended up leaving Alaska to go to college at Duke University. And obviously about as far away as you can go from Alaska. um, The biggest culture shock of my life still to date was moving from Alaska to North Carolina and specifically a school like Duke. And, And so when I was there, just as a freshman, I knew I was already working three jobs. Um, I knew that paying for college was a really tough thing for our family and I was the eldest child. And so at one of the school fairs, I looked at the ROTC tables and I thought, you know, this is really not a good fit for me. I'm, I'm going to be an English major. I like art history. Um, and both the Navy and the Air Force required you to have an engineering degree, but the army let you be a liberal arts major. And I thought, you know, I'll just give this a try. I'll just, I'll just try it out. And then I'll be able to say I tried it. And um, and then that is the beginning of, of, of everything that followed. And uh, I ended up loving it. I love the people that were part of the program. I love that sense of service and purpose for something higher than myself. I think I was really looking for that like many of us are, especially as young people. And, uh, and that was a really critical part of that
0: yeah and you saw quite a bit of success in your time there in such a male dominated industry, and you know our listeners are like the majority are female. we have some men that tap into this podcast from time to time, mostly you know like my dad and my partner but <laughs> um, for for the women that also like you know are are in fields and industries where there is like you are such a minority. Talk to us about your experience with that and just how, you, you know, it's a good time to start talking about tapping into to that grit factor um, to overcome some of those challenges that you experienced in, in being in that field as a female.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it really didn't start in ROTC so much. I would say we had almost 30% women in my ROTC program. And I think that's probably high. Actually, I'm not sure how it compares nowadays, but um. But by the time that I was getting ready to graduate from college, I had been drilling with the National Guard for two years as part of something called the Simultaneous Membership Program. So the assumption was that I would receive my commission in the National Guard and serve in the National Guard. And I remember before I graduated, before I was commissioned, so I'm just a cadet, just a college student, an English major at that. And I remember driving out to Raleigh, North Carolina to meet with the state aviation officer. And I was going to receive my assignment for the years ahead. And so he was a colonel, probably close to 40. And I was, you know, a young, not yet lieutenant who had just turned 21. And I remember driving out there and reporting and it seemed like he was behind a desk that was as wide as their room and all the windows behind him were shiny. And I was trying not to shake too much. And I saluted and he asked me to sit down. And then we exchanged a couple of pleasantries back and forth before the interaction that I would never forget. And this really set things off on the trajectory that i would understand them to be for the rest of my time in the military he stopped mid-sentence and he leaned back in his chair and he looked down his nose at me and he said you realize cadet that you will never fly and attack aircraft and i looked back at him and i recognized his comment in the moment for what it was meant to be which was small and mean and cutting because At that point in 1993, attack aircraft weren't open to women to fly. It wasn't even a possibility. And so I just said, yes, sir, because there are times when that's all that there is to say. Mm -hmm. And I went then to my next meeting, which was with the assignments officer. He was quite a bit more civil. He picked up a phone, made a phone call and said, listen, cadet, this isn't official, but the battalion commander won't allow a female pilot to be assigned to his unit. And so I said, yes, sir. And I went back to the ROTC detachment on the campus of Duke University and I requested a transfer out of the National Guard and onto active duty. Mm -hmm. My dad always said that the army had the last laugh on that one, Uh, but later later that spring, Congress changed the game, lifted the combat exclusion clause and suddenly every aircraft in the inventory was open to women and men to fly. And I thought that the sky was the limit. And I reported to Fort Rucker, Alabama. I was an honor graduate of my officer basic course and flight school. I requested and transitioned into the age 64A Apache. And then at age 23, I drove out to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, my first assignment tip of the spear, you know, the Army's contingency corps to the 229th Attack Aviation Regiment. And at 23, I was the first woman that they'd ever had flying the Apache out of 120 male combat pilots. So. That's where it really all began. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Did the weight of that hit you at that time or did that hit you later? Like the importance of the part of history that you just were?
1: Yeah, I think some of it did. I think, you know, I have been brought up again, with this idea that you can do anything that you want to do. And um, and I will say that that starts to shift a little as you get to college and your parents start to see you doing other things besides getting married and having kids right away. And they right. start, oh, wait a minute, wait, 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 that's not really what we meant, <laughs> you know? Um, but having said that, I uh, I remember when I was first starting the Apache transition and it was a three month training out at Fort Rucker also where the flight school had been. And I remember this guy in the school bus, and we were bumping along on this old dirt road in this old school bus that would take us to the flight line where we would fly. And I remember him saying, without even looking at me, he's like, hey, LT, where are you going? And I said, I'm heading to Bragg after this. And he goes, oh, yeah, I heard they were getting a female out there. They don't think you can hang in the field. I was like, wow, that guy just said that to me. he didn't even look me in the eyes, you know? And I just had started to get this sense that there was going to be a shift and, and, and there definitely was. And I remember then once I arrived and I had a great battalion commander I was very, very lucky, actually, with a lot of the leadership that I both that worked for me and that I worked for uh, in my initial years as a lieutenant. But I remember once when the newspaper came out for the first gunnery that I fired and, you know, they were taking a picture and saying this is historical. There'd never be a woman that had had fired an Apache gunnery before. And I remember my battalion commander briefing me and he had been married to, or he was married to, still is married to, um, a fellow West Pointer. And she'd been in one of the very first classes of women at West Point. So the party line back then for her and for me was, we're all the same, there's no difference. You know, we all bleed green, we're all soldiers. And that is true. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, it disregards quite a lot of other truths as well. And so that's what I said, I said, you know, we're all the same, we're all the same. Doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, the aircraft doesn't care that part is true, the aircraft doesn't care. And, right. um, but I definitely understood from that first time on the bus with that warrant officer, I was like, ah, this is not going to be, this is not going to be straightforward. This is not sc- the schoolhouse environment anymore. Cause the schoolhouse environment is, is typically supportive, right? Everyone's there to learn. Right. It's no big deal. Um, things, yeah. things change a lot when you head out to the field and to the line unit.
0: Right. Yeah. Cause it's, there's already just as somebody that's new, regardless of male or female, you have a lot to prove, right? Like your fellow you know, your affiliates there. And then add on the layer that you are a female, it sounded like that's maybe when you started to really realize and that you had to tap into that grit and really develop that muscle, if you will.
1: For sure. And I remember before I even reported to my unit at Fort Bragg, and this was not required, right? But I wasn't going to give anybody one thing that they could say about me. And I remember I went and had up my haircut. I had it buzzed up the back, which is not a good look for me, Uh, but I wasn't going to give anyone any room to say anything like, oh, she has to have a different regulation or, you know, I made sure I maxed every single PT test. I made sure like there was just nothing they could say. I shot, you know, top gun when I was a platoon leader, there was not going to be any excuse. And I think women understand in these fields, like we understand. And these women that I interviewed for these leaders that I interviewed that became Mm -hmm. the basis of the grit factor also understand that as a woman, uh, you have to hold yourself to a higher standard. And um, that's just, that's just the reality of it. So, yeah,
0: yeah. One mm-hmm. thing that you wrote pretty early on in your book that, um, that I didn't, it just shifted my frame of mind a little bit was that grit is a skill yes. one that can be taught to help people overcome fear, break through uncertainty, and reach their full potential. Talk to yes. us
1: more about that
0: and where that came from.
1: Yeah, I think that's such an important thing. And, you know, I, I speak to and I work with companies in every single industry you can imagine around the world, across the country, about leadership and grit, which I think are very much related in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and grit, as as I think many of us know from having read recent research, it is the most important attribute for success. More than education, more than talent, more than connections, more than anything else is, is grit and uh and and yeah i really think of it as being part of a holistic system so i think that's the first part that's going to feed into your specific question is it's really part of a larger system i think it it doesn't exist just by itself it might in the moment you know and it might at mile 23 in the marathon but grit over the long term really needs to be part of an integrated system and really the whole leader which is what the grit institute and going for grit really focuses on is this whole leader concept so the concept of being able to train grit I think is so important because people I think tend to think oh gosh you know it's it's just one of those things that somebody else has and and one of the things that I know for sure after those eight years in uniform, climbing big mountains, doing long course triathlons, time in the corporate world as well, is that grit is not just for military pilots and mountain climbers and out where we live in Eastern Washington, the Marlboro Man, right? (laughs) Grit is innate to every single one of us. And number one, we can find it. We can find it when we intersect our purpose and our passion, our core purpose and our passion. But number two, we can train it. We can learn it just like any other skill. If you feel like you've lost it, you can get it back. If you feel like you've never had it, you can train it. And I was speaking at West Point a couple of years ago as part of one of their ethics programs, and we talked about how you train for pushups, right? You train for pushups by doing pushups, and you train for grit by doing things that require grit, which is that you train for hard things by doing hard things. And I think that's such an important point that we can all take hope in and all learn from is that this is something available to every one of us. You train it just like you train anything else.
0: Yeah. When did that like click for you? Because I, I think that unless you're raised differently to think differently, that you do think of it as like, you either have it or you don't like you, you stand to the test of something challenging and you either like make it through or you don't and that kind of determines. So when did you realize that that was something that you can train
1: you know, that's that is a nobody's ever asked me that question for when I realized that specific thing. I know from the research, it's very clear. I think. I think I understood it at various points and I might not have been able to articulate it in quite that way, but I remember like walking out the first time I walked out towards the Apache helicopter, right? This helicopter that I was going to fly. It's a winter day on Alabama. I'm on the tarmac. Um, It's cold and I have shivers going up and down my spine, which really have a lot more to do with being totally terrified than they do with (laughs) with anything else. And, uh, And I'm walking towards this aircraft. It's 58 feet long. It's 12 feet high. It's 18 feet across. has two 1,850 horsepower engines, you know, the 30 millimeter cannon slung on the belly. There's three sight systems on the nose that let it see in day and night and in infrared. Um, the wings can hold any combination of the 2.75 inch folding thin aerial rocket and the anti-tank hellfire missile. I'm walking out towards this. It's the most technologically advanced helicopter in the world. And I'm thinking, who am I to fly this thing? You know, I'm just an English major from Alaska. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, And there are two pieces that come into play here. The first is I had to decide in that moment that I was going to own my own story, which by the way, is the first step in the grit factor. The first step in the training going for grit, right, is owning your own story. And taking control of your own narrative. Because I was hearing, at that point, I was hearing these, these other voices, both in my own head and from others, like why does a woman think she needs to fly this thing, right? Oh, my, my buddies heard they were getting a female out there, they don't think you can hang. And uh, so I could, I could pay attention to those voices or the voices in my head saying I'm just an English major. Mm-hmm. Or I could say, you know what? You know what I've done in the past? Like, I've made it through my parents' divorce when I was young. I've made it through climbing Denali when I was 19, you know, with the hardest physical thing I've still ever done in my life today. Um, and mental probably as well. Uh, I've made it through jumping out of airplanes. I, and, and I forced myself once I had gone through airborne school in the army to go into skydiving. because I was like, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna go right into that fear. Like it's terrifying to me, right? It's totally terrifying and I'm gonna own it. I'm gonna go into it and, until I'm not scared anymore. And I did a, you know 130 jumps or so before I um, was no longer jumping. Oh, yeah. So that many but, times. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I mean, but going back into that and saying I've done hard things before. I've done hard things. I can do this hard thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important is to be able to own that and see that you've built up your grit in the past. And that's part of owning your own story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say like right now in this environment, and it's such a, it sounds like such a different thing, but I know so many of us are going through this right now, especially those of us with young children. And you're like, how am I going to do this? You know, I'm working, I have young children, I need to educate those children now. We all are going through this crazy time where we can't see other family and, and work is in constant flux. And, and you have to remind yourself, I can do this thing. Like I've done hard things before. Mm-hmm. I can do this hard thing now. Yeah, and, okay. uh, and when you don't feel like you can totally connect to those stories, you can say, you know what, I can't, I'm feeling stuck in this area. So go do a hard thing in another area where you're not stuck. Maybe it's doing 50 burpees or something like that, right? Something totally different where then you can come back and say, I just did that hard thing. I'm going, that, that has built my grit. Now I'm going to come back to this place where I'm stuck and I'm going to push through it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's so, so important for us to understand that that is accessible to every single one of us.
0: Yeah. And just shifting your frame of mind to really realize that. Um, I mean, that like just for me right now, just listening to you talk about it, I'm like, oh, it's really that simple. <laughs> to
1: learn. It, is, it is, but you know, Heather, because of what you also, what you just said with the frame of mind is important too, because there is an incredibly important mindset component to this. And part of it is saying, and there's some really interesting new research actually that's so new, it didn't make it into the grit factor, um, but it builds on Carol Dweck's growth mindset, which is really to say that, the mindset that hard things make us better, that hard things help us grow, that hard things help us get through things, that mindset is also critical to success. And I think it is absolutely in bed with grit. It's integral to grit. So you've got to have that mindset that like, hey, stress isn't going to kill you. Stress stress can make you better that's actually the newest research looking at some navy seals the mindset that stress can make you better in fact is related to better performance in a number of different factors and so there's really an opportunity to say how am i thinking about this i'm going to think about this differently i'm going to force myself train myself to think about this differently because when you do that it's tied directly to success yeah absolutely so in reading the
0: book, one thing that I really appreciated right away was how you structured the book into like the three like main components, yes. which is commit, learn, and launch. And I love that within each of those components, you've layered in the stories and the learning lessons. And that just, to me, just helped, you know, I, I, I've i read a ton of books and it just really Helped solidify each of those sections. Talk
1: to us more about your decision to to break up the book in that way. Yeah, you know, it. As I've done the work and the research for this, and this has been now a number of years of interviewing people in the vanguard of their fields, uh, doing the secondary research as well, going out and finding the places where I needed to scaffold that with additional work and additional research, and really specifically looking at the Army's master resilience training so I could bring aspects of that very well tested, very well developed training into this as well. Um, it, it's occurred to me that it's pretty clear that, again, this is part of whole leader training, right? And the GRIT Institute really focuses on whole leader training. It's not just the one thing. Angela mm-hmm. Duckworth is the researcher on GRIT, right? The one thing on GRIT. Um, we're looking at GRIT in the context of the whole leader here. And I have really come to understand it as, as having these three phases, that there is first a commit phase, right? You're a leader when you decide to make a difference. You're a leader when you commit yourself to excellence. And when you decide to lead, and this is part of that commitment, that's part of owning your own story and drilling down to core purpose, which becomes the anchor for you. Um, this corresponds by the way, with kind of looking at past, present, and future, because I think that's part of this triangle of grit. I have this, mm-hmm. this grit triangle, right? So that's the past. The present is really engaging in where we are now. That's building your team, looking at the elements of who needs to be on your team, being part of other people's team to support them, that's just as important for you as it is for them, it turns out. And learning to really listen, because listening is that strategic leadership skill that comes up again and again and we don't focus nearly enough time on it. And then finally, within that present moment, it is building our grit, building our resilience, building our ability to manage through to to excel through really to thrive through difficult times so that's building resilience and building grit that's the present time engaging in the present while staying grounded in the past Mm -hmm. and then the finally is this future and the future is really the launch phase right so we have commit and then learn and then launch and launch is all about three different components that came up again and again in these interviews with these outstanding leaders one of them is authenticity you simply can't sustain grit You simply can't sustain leadership unless you are authentic to who you are as a person. It's, um, I think, very, very hard for a lot of us, especially women in male-dominated fields. And you, you know you have to fit into a culture, but if you allow that fitting into a culture to compromise who you are, it's simply not sustainable and it won't allow you to bring your gifts to the table. Mm -hmm. So being authentic is absolutely critical. Being audacious is also important and every single one of these leaders who succeeded was willing to put herself out there, to ask for what she wanted, to take a risk, knowing that she would fail at different points and then she would have to get herself back up and do it again. You get up one more time than you fall, right? I mean, that's the rule on audacity and on really pushing yourself, taking the hard assignments, pushing yourself to the limit so that you can grow with that mindset that you will grow from that. And then finally at the end is adaptability because adaptability is where it all comes together. And that is the time that we're in right now. But, but the reality is we're in this all the, all the time, right? Things are constantly shifting and changing and you can't choose one course and be absolutely committed to that course you've got to be able to adapt to changing circumstances while staying connected to that anchor of core purpose so past mm-hmm. present future commit learn and launch absolutely it's a very much a progressive system and part of the whole leader concept
0: yeah it's awesome it makes it very easy to digest right especially when there's so many different distractions that can come up even as you just sit down to try to like read a book, right? This keeps it very engaged, so easy to digest and just really get to the root of the information that you're like presenting and there's like no fluff about it. I'm so (laughs) excited. (laughs) I'm excited for other people to tap into it as well. September 8th is when it comes out. Yes, that's right.
1: Excellent. super excited you can pre-order it today anywhere books are available you can do right. book orders either through the publisher or through Porchlight books and i'm happy to sign as many copies as you'd like i can love that look at that, look at that cover
0: look at that cover i know you have it behind you but it's just like so powerful i love that so all of it like writing now multiple books like take so much time what does a day in the life of shannon look like what is what does that look like for you
1: <laughs> is this pre or post covid <laughs> <laughs> little bit more scattered yeah Yeah. i'm I'm very lucky that my i I have a lot of work but that it's mostly flexible and it's timing and my husband is in the same uh sort of a job so we both take turns with the two kids they are also pretty self-reliant they're seven and ten but um and certainly need need attention and guidance but can also do a little bit of play on their own so so we're typically balancing those two things Um, we live in a remote community but it's a very strong community which is uh, a a wonderful thing and um so yeah, so it's bouncing back and forth between our house and the office, but there's a home office as well, and, and we just do whatever we need to do to get it done.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> so
0: talk to us a little bit about um, resources that you have to tap into, right? Like as somebody that is leading others, leading teams, leading corporations, writing books, What do you do? What resources, books, how do you tap into growing yourself? Because we all know that that's such an important aspect of reaching our levels of success. What do you tap into to develop yourself as a leader?
1: That is such a good question. And I think two of these things will come out in the book as well. Um, One of them is reading. I think leaders read, right? And so reading as much as you can, it doesn't always, and it shouldn't actually always be about leadership. It should be about lots of different things, Um, but I do love to read. And that is certainly part of being a writer and, and part of thinking about the space as well. Um, And then the other part of it is really reaching out. And I will say that this time of COVID, especially living somewhere where I typically have to drive four hours to the airport to fly somewhere and work with somebody. Right. And, um, and it's been amazing actually, because on zoom, we're meeting around the world and it's been made it very, very easy to connect in a way that we didn't always do in the past. And so I'm grateful for that because I think the second part of that is developing your team and your network and, um, and people don't like the word network, but I like to think of that as your friends, right? They're people that you support and that support you. And that has been, um, I will say recently, I did an event with Elevate Network, which is out of uh, New York. They used to be 85 broads, just awesome. And honestly, this woman in the Seattle chapter reached out to me and she said, this is amazing your work you're doing. We have to get that out there. How can I help? And I said, like, wow, look at, I mean, that's <laughs> amazing, right? Like, when does that happen? And right. I just want to give a shout out to Molly Angel because she organized a, just a, Fabulous event and totally orchestrated the entire thing Um, I think she does a lot of uh, uh, work in facilitation and change management. So anyway, Molly Angel has it going on. Um, But but that kind of thing happens because you reach out and you say, hey, how can I help you and and being part of different groups. There's another great group called F bomb breakfast club on Facebook. Uh, It's a women's business group. It's also outstanding. Um, Peter Winnick has a great group of thought leaders that meets every Tuesday. I usually join them every three weeks and it's also been a really supportive group. So it's really just, you know, reaching out to people cause you, none of us do this alone. It's mm-hmm. not possible to do it alone. And, um, and then keeping your, keeping your relationships going at home too. I mean, that, that's the most right. critical because that's the part that, um, that supports all of us and whatever it is that we're doing And I think uh, my husband and I both enjoy working together personally as well as professionally. And so that's a, it's a great partnership. I feel very, very blessed for that.
0: Yeah, that's great. Cause that's not always the case for everybody, right? Like people think that that would be an easy transition but in the reality it's not. So that's amazing that you have that.
1: it is and you know it's always it's always a dance right it's a dance for all of us and so just know that that's the case but um but i think that that dance is an important one to do and and maybe it's not a great point of connection with your partner but it's a point of connection with a very good friend somewhere else so mm-hmm. i talk about the uh, really building your team and um i look at it kind of as a solar system in in both the course that's online at the grit institute as well as the grit factor and, and you look at the different ways that people are part of your team. And it's not all the same, right? There's different types of support that you can provide others and that, and that they can provide you. And so Mm -hmm. I think you look for all of those different things to be fulfilled and not all in one person. So,
0: right. Which brings me to another question about like the networking and stuff that you do. Um, there's, a, a lot of women that I think uh, struggle with that with finding mm-hmm. the right groups and it sounds like you've found quite a few that work really well for you how have you gone about finding those groups um, like the questions that I get a lot are yeah. I don't like do I need to give this more time like is this the right group for me like it's kind of one of the only options so I, do I just need to give this a shot how yeah. have you sort of navigated your way to finding the ones that were like, yep, like these are for me?
1: Yeah, I think that it's really trial and error. I mean, it's sort of like a professional photographer takes a thousand pictures for every one that they, they frame or, or I don't know what the ratio is, but something like that, right? right. You do a lot and, and you've got to engage in them. And I think that the biggest key and, and the biggest mistake I see people make is they wait for things to come to them right? Mm -hmm. They're like, well, nobody's reaching out to me. It's like, well, who are you reaching out to? How are you helping somebody else? If you do that, things will happen for you. But you've got to be the one that reaches out and and helps first, right? Or, Or maybe you don't, but I mean, that's typically how it works. And if you're willing to do that, because it's all about the other person, right? It's just like a good marketer knows this. It's always about the person that's buying, not about you, not about your product, it's about the person. Um, if you know, if you go into it with that, say, how can I help somebody else? How can I get to know them? How can I understand their interests? How can I see how I can help? Uh, that's how you're gonna make those connections. But at the same time, not all the groups have worked out. And so I have dropped one and you know, F-bomb and Elevate, I think are the two that are just kick and tail in, in my life. And I think those will be different depending on what profession you're in, who you are, what your personality, is, how you engage. And you know, I've never ever gone to an F-bomb meeting because I'm not in Seattle. And so, okay. but I have met uh, one of them in person at a conference because we both posted that we were speaking at the same conference in California once. And so now we're connected and we've seen each other socially. Uh, and then these others that have connected with me because of again, the work that we're doing and what we're putting out there. And I think that um, that will happen naturally. And if it doesn't, then, then you, you move on. It's no hard yeah. feelings.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. I love that. So to wrap up, you've given us so many amazing little key pieces and tidbits here. If you could kind of sum up your top three tips for, um, t- top three tips of success for women,
1: what would you sum it up to be? Oh, wow. Top three. <laughs> top three I know. <laughs> right, I'm going to pick a couple of uh, one that we haven't taught. Let's see. So within the context of the first, uh, the first part of the triad, the base of the triad, which is really. Looking at your past and owning your past and who and what your story is because you control your story You control your narrative. I will say the most important exercise in that process I think is drilling down to your core purpose. I tell you how to do it in the book I tell you how to do it in the training online Um, I'll tell you why it's so important but having that core purpose that you identify That becomes the anchor for anything that you do no matter what happens to you or what choices you make or where you fail or where you succeed That's utterly critical. And I think there's way too many of us that are kind of floating on the sea without that connection. And you've got to do some deep work to get there, but you can do it, it's available. Again, all of this is accessible to all of us. So that's the first piece. The second piece, um, I'm going to say, just because we haven't talked about it in depth. And again, I'll give you multiple examples in both the book and the training, but is building your grit and resilience. We've already talked about building your team. So building your grit and resilience, because so many people that I talk to, especially women, don't believe in themselves that they can do this. And you can do it. And I'm going to tell you how to do it. So again, pre-order the book, jump online with the training. Uh, You can actually use the code GRIT50 and you'll get 50% off the training at thegritinstitute.com. And I'll walk you through some of those exact exercises. And that's really, really important. You can do this. Um, It's it's scientifically proven and it's very much within your capability. And then the last thing I'm gonna say is the audacity piece because again, for women leaders specifically, there are a larger number of us that aren't willing to ask for what we want. And the studies are pretty clear that women ask for what they want when they're about 150% qualified, and men ask at about 50%. So know that you will grow into a role. Know that you are worthy of asking for what it is that you want. You've got to earn it. You've got to ask for it. But earning it isn't what you think, it's not being overqualified. Earning it is being willing to do the work and having done some work in the past. You've got some chops, and you're going to apply it towards learning and excelling. So really that audacity piece, and we'll talk about that again, both the book and the training. Audacity is critical and um, you've got to ask for what you want, not be afraid of failure, ask for the hard positions, stretch yourself and know that that will make you better and that you're up for the challenge.
0: Yeah, amazing. Perfect, that was beautiful. That was great. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today. So for people to connect with you and to to pre-order the book, to get tapped into the training, Yes, it's the Grit Institute. Where do they go online to find that?
1: Great. Thegritinstitute.com, shannonpoulson.com. Either one of those will give you more information. I'm also on Twitter at AborderLife and on Instagram at a border life, and on Facebook at forward slash Shannon Huffman Poulsen. So I'd love to see you in any and all of those places. Uh, LinkedIn at Shannon H. Poulsen, and I think LinkedIn and Twitter are my favorite. So I'll be probably hanging out mostly there if you want to catch me.
0: I love that. Uh, quite a few people actually have recently been like, yeah, LinkedIn is my jam. And I'm like, oh, like I don't spend a lot of time there. So it's awesome to hear yes. quite a few people that are like, yeah, like this is the place that I am.
1: Yeah, and you know, the last thing I would say about that and, and both finding me and finding each other is when you're on LinkedIn, comment on people's posts and comment on your fellow women leaders, right? Like we've got to lift each other up. And I think men do this much more naturally, but we've got to get in there and comment on each other's posts. Um, it's actually commenting on somebody's post is better for them than sharing the post yourself because it actually elevates it within that. You can also share it, but make sure you yeah. comment. Um, But anyway, those sorts of things, I think that we as women can do a a much better job at promoting each other and lifting each other up. So I hope to see out there and I'll love to get to know you and comment on yours as well.
0: Perfect. Well, thank
1: you so much for joining us today, Shannon.
0: Everybody go connect with her and pre-order the book, The Grit Factor. I promise you won't be disappointed. Thank you for listening to this episode of the She Leads Me podcast. If you enjoyed the show, would you do us a big favor? Would you head on over to iTunes or wherever you are listening to the podcast from and leave us a five-star review and some comments about your experience? We greatly appreciate it and it would help other women like you find our podcast.